0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Amen. Yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, what a blessing for us to be able to worship the Lord together in this place. I hope you understand that. I hope you, I believe you do. I believe you get it, and I'm thankful for that. We can all get it better than we got it, but uh, I believe that uh, we're, we're understanding it more and more. It's a big weekend for a lot of folks. Uh, congratulations to Tri-County for making it to the playoffs this year. Man, that's uh, that's going to be an exciting time. I believe you all it going to take it to the house, and so I'm excited about that. Uh, I think there were a couple of college teams that won this weekend, and so uh, congratulations to one of them. And uh, so um, uh, Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series. We got any Braves fans in here? All right, so... Um, uh, Madison Central Band went to a big uh, contest, uh, competition over in Hoover, Alabama. Gil got in like at 2 o'clock this morning. They got all superiors over there. So, uh, man, just good stuff all the way around. Lots of opportunities uh, for folks to be celebrating this weekend. And um, so I found out something a couple of weeks ago that was interesting to me. Uh, I guess I should have known this before a year and a half into my tenure as your pastor, but that's all right. Um, I'm, I'm still finding stuff out. Um, uh, Mark, Sandifer had um, Janice pull some figures and stats and stuff like that on our church. A lot of different things attendance, giving, uh, membership, all that kind of stuff over the last 10 years. And so it was just stuff where we could, as a staff, be looking at stuff, evaluating things, where we've been, where we're going. That's a big part of this November. Prayer em- emphasis is the 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 plans and the dreams and the desires that God's birthing in us as your staff for our church and and uh, just bathing all that in prayer. But it was interesting. So Mark got Janice to pull all these numbers, and I guess maybe I should have I don't know. I guess it was a question I could have asked the pastor search team and stuff like that in the in the interview process about how many church members we have. And uh, so I I, I I did I I didn't know the number, and but I found out just a couple of weeks ago that we have, and I'm sure this number has uh, increased since the figures that we had, but uh, we, we have probably 1,200, um, probably by now close to 1,300 church members. 1,300 church members. What's the population of Flora? I mean, you know, I mean, isn't that a, only about 1,300 folks in town? I mean, 1,300 church members First Baptist Flora has. And they will today... Um, On our campus today, in this worship service and our two traditional services, uh, we'll probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 400 people here. And we got 1,300 church members. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that they all come at the same time because I have no clue where we'd put them. That'd be a fun problem to try to figure out. 1,300 church members. And there's a lot of reasons why out of 1,300, you got 400 that are here on a Sunday, and way less than 400 here on Wednesday night. Uh, certainly, you know, on a on a good Wednesday night for refresh, we'll have you know 70, 75 people here uh, for refresh. Our other corporate worship time for the church, um, and, and then I found out this past Wednesday night when uh, Yazoo County Fair's in town. Uh, but anyway. I saw y'all all on Facebook. I saw you shouldn't have posted pictures because I prayed against you this week. But anyway, um, so, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, you know, Wednesday night, we have about 70, 75 people on a good night out of 1,300 church members. Wow. So I wonder why that, why that is. I've been doing ministry for almost 40 years, and so, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we think about all the time. And we're not, we're not, uh, that's not unique to First Baptist Church of Florida. I mean, that's I've uh, been in every church that I've been in. i see as a staff member, as a youth minister, or as a senior pastor. Uh, it's it's been like that, uh, and and there's been books written about it, and articles written about it, and research done, and all that kind of stuff, and lots of different reasons people come up with. And I'm not saying I've come up with the the perfect reason. i nobody, you know, but nobody else ever thought about this. But just in reference as we think about the sermon for today. I think most Christians see Jesus as optional for their lives. I think most Christians see Jesus as optional. Now, we need him so we can get saved. so We make sure that our ticket's punched for heaven so we can get our fire insurance paid up. You know, we ain't going to hell, I'm going to heaven. So we need him for that. He's absolutely necessary. i got to ask Jesus to come to my heart so I can go to heaven. I ain't going to hell. So we need him for that. But then beyond that, I think there's a great number of Christians that see Jesus as optional for the rest of our lives. He's just kind of optional. He's, he's, he ain't necessary, not, not as necessary as just keeping us out of hell. My daddy had a 1972 GMC pickup truck. I wish I still had that thing, man. 1972 GMC pickup truck. Most of y'all are way too young to remember how you used to buy vehicles. The way you would buy vehicles when my daddy was buying vehicles when I was a kid, is that you would go to the car lot and you'd, 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 just, you'd talk to the dealer and say, "I want a 1972 GMC pickup truck." There it is. That's the one I, I like that. I like, I like that pickup truck. But then once you decide what you want, the base model, then you decide the options that you want. So Daddy, Daddy's option was to put a four hundred four barrel barrel that. that's why I wish I still had it, uh, 72 GMC pickup. Daddy's option was to put a fancy AM-FM radio in it. I mean, Daddy's option was to put... Air conditioning in a pickup truck—you just didn't do that in the '70s. It had an air conditioner in it. Daddy's option was to have a a cool paint scheme uh, with a dark blue cab and a light blue body. And I mean, that's so you had the base model, and then you chose your options. You didn't just go down there and buy the Denali package or this package or that package. You. Chose your options, and that's how a lot of people see Jesus. We got the base package. We got our. We think because not everybody that thinks they're saved are saved, but we think we got our salvation taken care of. We kind of got the base package, the base model, and then we decide whether or not we're going to add some more options to our lives. And we see Jesus as optional. So you have 1,300 church members and average attendance of about 400. You know, we're fine with Jesus to get us saved but after that he's kind of an add-on. We don't want him to mess with the rest of our lives. We don't want him to mess with how we spend our money. We don't want Him to mess with our relationships. Our, we don't want Him to mess with... And we hear Jesus say stuff like this. This is not the sermon passage, but Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Jesus told His disciples, says, if any of you wants to come after Me, then He must deny Himself, take up His cross daily, and follow Me. We don't like that denying stuff. We don't like that taking up our cross stuff because cross represents death. It's not just some jewelry you wear around your neck. It rep- when they heard him say, you take up your cross daily, they thought, oh my gosh, he's talking about dying. Exactly. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, uh, well, I didn't sign up for that. So, are we going to keep our eyes on Jesus? We're we going to are we going to stay focused on Him? Is He just going to be optional in our lives? Grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter six, verses sixty through sixty-nine. John chapter six, verses sixty through sixty-nine. Hope you got your Bibles with you. We put out pew Bibles over in the sanctuary uh, this past week. I'm thankful to get them back in place over there, but we don't have pew Bibles here, so or chair bibles, or whatever we'd call them. but So you need to bring your own. Um, John chapter 6, verse 60. Would you stand, please, as we read through verse 69. So when many of Jesus' disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And check this out. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life, and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Help us today. Let's pray. Father, help us to hear from you. Help us to respond to you. Help us to be obedient to you today as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. All right, so... um, Let's talk about John chapter 6. It's the longest chapter in John's gospel. Uh, You see it's got 71 verses. Longest chapter in John's gospel contains some big events, contains some big teachings that we need to pay attention to. Uh, One thing it contains, if you flip back over to the beginning of it, you don't have to, but at the beginning it it tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. That huge miracle. Probably when you think of Jesus' miracles, if I were to ask you what's the one that comes to your mind first, probably the vast majority of us would say the feeding of the 5,000. Reason being is because it's in all four of the Gospels. It, other than the resurrection, uh, it is the only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talked about the feeding of the 5,000. Most commentators, most biblical scholars believe that it's probably more like uh, fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed because it's just 5,000 men. So you add their wives and women, the kids, you're probably looking at fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed. Huge miracle, big-time miracle. So that comes to mind first and foremost when you think about a lot of his miracles. Uh, another thing that happened in John chapter 6 was Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And, and that's, a, that's a big, that's another one that probably comes to mind when you think about Jesus' miracle. So Jesus walking on the water and then Peter saying, Lord, if it's you, call to me and I'm going to come out there to you. And so Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water too. Uh, John does not tell about Peter walking on water, but uh, uh, Matthew does in Matthew chapter 14. Then there was a Matthew and Mark tell in this same time frame, Matthew and Mark tell about a healing that took place at a place called Gennesaret. So see here in this in this long chapter you got big miracles you got feeding of five thousand or feeding of fifteen or twenty thousand you got Jesus and Peter walking on the water you got healing happening so big stuff here you're really getting a big picture uh, and a clear picture of who Jesus is because in John chapter six we're already we're man we're into Jesus's ministry now I mean. Baby Jesus is grown up now. We're, he's probably 31 years old at this point now, and he's into his ministry, and he's healing people, and he's teaching, and he's really proving who he is. And these, uh, in John chapter 6, we see that. And we've got to remember. Remember what jo- John's purpose of writing is. I told you this when we started this sermon series. John chapter 20, verse 31, gives you the reason that John wrote his gospel. He said, I am writing these things to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing, you may have eternal life. So John wrote his gospel so people would understand that Jesus is the Son of God and so that they would believe in Jesus the Son of God and so they would have the gift of eternal life. So what's he doing here in John 6? He's, he's proving that Jesus is the Son of God. He's telling about these big miracles. And then he starts talking about Jesus' teaching about, I am the bread of life. This is one of the seven I am statements that Jesus made. He said, I am the bread of life. This is one of his major teachings, John chapter 6, verse 35. And what happened then is he said that, then he started teaching. Jesus was a master teacher, incredible teacher. Man, he used all kinds of what he taught with, parables, which are are, are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. He would use illustrations. He would use Uh, uh, props he would you remember he would call kids up and pull a a little child up in front of them and tell them hey look if you don't become like this little child you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven I mean stuff like that and he would use hyperbole that means he would make some outlandish just blow you out of the water kind of hey if you're going to come after me you got to hate your mom and daddy wow wait a minute what are you talking about that kind of stuff that just jars you into going what does that mean He was a great teacher, and here he's doing the same thing. He just finished, I think about it, he just finished breaking the bread, feeding thousands of people, and then right after that he turns around and goes, I am the bread of life. Wait a minute, he just gave us, what's he talking about? And so he starts teaching them about uh, the bread of life, and as he taught, he got more and more graphic, and more and more intense. And it even led to a place in verse 53 where he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you cannot be my disciples. Now, do you think that got their attention? Kind of gets your attention too, doesn't it? Every time I read this, I just kind of go, Jesus, I know you're not talking about that. And and, and he wasn't. He wasn't advocating some kind of weird... religious cannibalism or anything like that that's not what he was saying but certainly that jarred these people who were here because he's feeding them and here because he's doing miracles and all of a sudden he said you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood to follow me whoa whoa, whoa 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 wait 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 what you talking about what is that all about he was making a comparison he just finished feeding them so he's making a comparison between the physical food that they ate and the spiritual food, I'm the bread of life that He's offering. Physical food will leave you hungry eventually. Y'all gonna leave here and here in a little while. You go home. You're gonna eat some fried chicken. You're gonna eat some roast. You're gonna do something here in a little while because you're hungry because that biscuit that you had or that whatever you had a bowl of cereal whatever you had this morning is starting to wear off. And then after you finish eating, you're gonna lay down take a nap, watch some football. And then by six o'clock this evening, you are go good. I need something. I, man, I need something to eat. And and. So you got the physical food that leaves you hungry, and Jesus said, but I'm the, I'm the bread of life. You'll never go hungry. And, 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 but, then, but, but a problem showed up. A problem always shows up when you got a bunch of people. <laughs> That's why we're praying so much in November. I mean, it always, I mean, problems show. you got a bunch of people. And so the problem came because a lot of those people you know, think about it, it had to be thousands of people there. I mean, and, and a ton of people who said, I'm following Jesus, I'm following Jesus, man, I'm a I'm a disciple of Jesus. And the problem came that a bunch of them said, Wait a minute, I I'm hearing this teaching. But they could not or they would not make the leap from what he's talking physically to the spiritual. Some of them couldn't, and some of them just wouldn't. They're just like, no, I'm not, I ain't going there. I'm just not going there. So Because when he said, You got to eat my flesh, what he was saying, y'all, he was saying that you have to trust and believe in his death on the cross when his flesh was ripped open for you and me. And you got to drink my blood. He wasn't talking about drinking blood. When we do the Lord's Supper, the blood does not become, the, the wine, the juice does not become real blood. It's called, that's transubstantiation that the Catholics believe, and we do not believe that. That's not the truth. It stays juice, it stays wine. But he wasn't saying that. What he was saying was, to, to drink his blood was to trust in his death and in the shedding of blood that is necessary for the forgiveness of your sins. But they couldn't make the leap. They still thought he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And so they started grumbling. And I love that it said, Jesus knew they were grumbling. Man, he's God with skin on. Don't you think he knows what you're thinking right now? When you grumble, when you complain about something, don't you think he already knows that? He knew they were grumbling. He knew they were complaining. He knew that. They started ridiculing. They started questioning. They started talking to each other. What's this guy talking about? That's some major changes he's talking about. I mean, come on, what's up with that? I ain't doing that. You're doing it. Man, no way I'm doing that. But then, here's what happened. In verse 60, our passage for the day, you begin to see the crowd getting thinned out. The crowd starts getting thinned out. You see verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Y'all listen, what happened is you started seeing the people that were just saying, Jesus is optional to me, going, I I ain't going. I'm not going. The teaching was just too hard for them, and the reason it was too hard for them is because they had a wrong interpretation of what he was saying. They had not made the leap from the physical to the spiritual. And they said, this is too hard, I can't do this kind of thing. Jesus tried, you know, because he loves him, he tried to explain it to him again. This is too hard. And Jesus says, wait a minute, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let me help you try to understand what this is all about. He's saying that it's the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. Basically, what Jesus was trying to say, look, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. I will one day ascend back to heaven. I will one day do this after I've defeated sin. After I've defeated death on the cross and the resurrection. That's what's going to happen. It's as if He was saying to them, look, if you would understand who it is who's standing in front of you right now saying these things, then you'd understand this life-giving spiritual truth that I'm giving to you. It's just like the woman at the well. Do you all remember that story? (coughs) The woman at the well. Remember she showed up and Jesus said, hey, give me something to drink, and I'm not going to tell that whole story. But you remember, he said to her, he said, look, if you you knew who it was, if you knew who it was that's talking to you right now, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. There would be a spring of living water inside of you that would never run dry. And the lady was like, what? She got it. But a whole bunch of these folks didn't get it. You get to verse 66, look what happened. Even after he tried to explain it again, even after he tried to help understand it again, look at verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I think that's one of the saddest verses in the entire New Testament. 1,300 church members. I think that's one of the saddest verses in the New Testament. Many, I don't know what, I don't know, I, the, the Greek language doesn't say how, exactly how many that is. A bunch. <laughs> That's what the Greek word means, a bunch. I mean, I, I don't know if it, it had to be hundreds, maybe thousands of people that just went, I'm done. I'm not going any farther. It's fun while it lasted, but I'm, I'm done. They abandoned him no longer walked with him there's one commentator that said this one guy wrote some stuff about it. he said the sermon on the bread of life produced some decisive effects i hope every sermon produces decisive effects it only will when the holy spirit works but this guy said the sermon on the bread of life produced decisive effects listen to what he says he said, it converted popular enthusiasm for jesus into disgust like a fan, it separated true from false disciples, and like a winnowing breeze, it blew the chaff away, leaving a small residue of wheat behind. And so then he turns to the twelve, verse sixty-seven. And I have to say, I've said this before, I'm not reading into the scripture, it's stuff that's not there, but I just kind of have to wonder. I wonder if when Jesus saw all of these people walking away after he tried so hard to explain it to him, tried so hard to help them understand, I'm talking about spiritual stuff here, I'm trying to give you eternal life, I'm trying to give you spiritual life, I'm trying, and they just kept walking, and I just have to wonder, if when he turned to the uh, 12, if there wasn't a tear trickling down his cheek, when he looked at him and said, y- y'all don't want to leave too, do you? And man, old Peter, <laughs> steps up and makes one of the best declarations of faith in the entire New Testament, he said, God, Jesus, who are we going to? Who, who are we going to go to? Four parts to that declaration. He said, you have the words of eternal life. You, Jesus. You, nobody else. You have the words of eternal life. Man, life is a huge part of John's gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John over and over and over talks about life. Jesus over and over and over talks about eternal life. John 5:24. Jesus said, "I say emphatically that anyone who listens to my message and believes in God who sent me has eternal life and will never be damned for his sins, but has already passed out of death into life." Peter said, "You have the words of eternal life." Secondly, he said, "We have believed. They haven't. We have Jesus. We've believed." We have, not just with our heads, but Jesus, we have entrusted our lives to you. We have believed. And third, he said, and we have come to know. Man, we know it's the truth, Jesus. We've been with you. We've been walking. We've been listening. We've been watching. We've been experiencing this. We believe this, Jesus. And we believe and we've come to know, fourthly, that you are the Holy One of God. You're not just some crazy teacher out here. You're not some false prophet out here. You're not some crazy lunatic out here. You are the Holy One of God. You are God. The Holy One of God. The reason he said that is Jesus. uh, Peter was establishing the deity of Christ. If you went back to the Old Testament and go to Isaiah 43.3, God Himself says, I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, their Holy One of God, their Savior was standing right in front of Him. Isaiah 54, 5, God said in Isaiah 54, 5, He said, I am the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer, the Holy One of God, their Redeemer, was standing right in front of Him. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you, this was a huge statement that, that Peter made. So here's the deal. Some people Here, in John 6, some people followed Jesus because of his growing popularity. Jesus, because of the miracles he performed. It's kind of a talent show kind of faith. America's Got Talent kind of faith. Las Vegas Magician kind of faith. Man, let's go follow this dude. Man, he's doing some cool stuff. Man, he healed this dude over here. He made this blind guy see. He got this guy up. He started walking. He walked his whole life. He raised somebody from the dead. Man, he'd feed 5,000, 15,000, 20,000 people. I'm going to hang around that dude for a while. Some people followed Jesus because they wanted to just get some more food. Hey man, he gave me some food. I'm going to hang around with him. Kind of a kind of a get get it while the getting is good kind of faith. They were fans, not followers. That's what they were. There were a whole lot more fans in that crowd than there were followers. A fan, by definition, is an enthusiastic admirer, usually as a spectator. Go up to Vaught Hemingway. Go up to Davis Wade. Go down to Southern. Go up to Delta State. Go out to MC. You want to go watch a game, go scream your head off, go ring a cowbell, go wear your school colors, do all that kind of stuff. But you're going to stay in the stands because you're a spectator. You're a fan. You ain't getting on the field unless you want to get arrested or you've had a little bit too much liquid encouragement, and then you might get out there. But other than that, you just, you ain't getting on the field. You're a fan. You're a spectator. And there were a whole lot of fans. A whole lot of spectators in this big group of people that were following him. That's why I said many left him because they were just fans; they weren't followers. So, are you a fan or are you a follower? We got thirteen hundred church members. We got a lot of fans and not as many followers as we need. What's the difference? Fans just want, uh, fans just want the benefits. Followers want to be obedient. Fans want the benefits, followers want to be obedient. When well, I was a senior in high school, sent me all the to Delta State and spent some time in Cleveland. There was a store in downtown Cleveland called Jay's Department Store. Jay's, J-A-Y Posh, Jay's Department Store. And so I was a senior in high school. It was kind of the predecessor to Walmart and the big box stores, like most small towns had those kinds of stores. And so you walk in the front door, Jays, and uh, over here, as soon as you walk in, all the men's clothes are right here. Right over here are the women's clothes. The kids' clothes are back there. And you keep walking right down the middle of the store, and then you, the, the counter where you pay, your, uh, pay for your stuff is right here. And you keep on walking past, you get to the back, and there's the shoe department. That's where I worked. As a senior in high school, I was... Uh, I put shoes. Uh, 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 I, I sold shoes in a J's department store in the shoe department. So all these ladies would come in, and we'd put pumps on them, we put high heels on them, we put sandals on them. Some of you older ladies remember we put yo-yos on them. Y'all remember yo-yo shoes? How many of y'all remember yo-yo? Had the hole in the had the hole in the in the heel, and all that. Man, they were so popular. We we sell those. Uh, uh, you know, the men come in, they want dress shoes or tennis shoes. We had those. We had loafers, we had casual shoes, we had some boots, all that kind of stuff. And everybody wanted to try them on, make sure, they, make sure they fit, and I knew how to make sure they fit. It wasn't too wide, I'd measure your foot, and I'd do all that kind of stuff. I'd sit on the little stool, and you put your foot up there, and I'd measure your foot and do this and that, and make sure it wasn't too wide, make sure your toe didn't hit, and make sure it didn't slip, but so you'd get up and walk around, see if they fit, and see if they worked. Try them on before you buy them. That's what a lot of people do with Jesus. They just want to try Him on. See if He fits their lifestyle. See if He fits their life. Instead of us fitting our life in with His plan for us. There's a lot of people that say, you know, I want to see what Jesus can... I'm going to try Him on see what He can do for you. And that's not the way it works. That ain't the way it works. I hear people say, and I understand what people are saying, but I disagree with this statement. Theologically, I disagree with this. Some people say, look, look, just go. Try everything else you want. Try everything else to find purpose and meaning in your life. And then come try Jesus. Now, I know what people are saying there. But that ain't the way it works. You You don't just come try Him on for a while. You don't take Him out for a test drive. But that's what fans want to do. Fans just want to do... Try them on, see if there's some see if there's some benefit for their life. But man, when you give your life to Jesus, you're turning complete control over to him. Over to him. Completely and permanently forever. You're giving him control of your life. I didn't say perfectly, but I'm saying permanently and completely, you're turning the control of your life over to Jesus. That's a follower. That's a follower. When Jesus said, man, think about, it. think about these guys that were standing there with him. Peter, James, John, Andrew, they left probably a lucrative fishing industry, lucrative fishing business. He said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Drop the nets, leave their daddy standing in the boat, go follow him. Matthew was a tax collector, probably made a chunk of money. They were some of the wealthiest, some of the most corrupt people, but some of the wealthiest guys around. And Jesus walked in and said, Matthew, you come follow me. Left behind all the money, all the stuff, and went and followed Jesus. It's what followers do. Because when the Holy One of God comes to you and says, You come follow me, you follow him. When the Holy One of God says, You go and make disciples, you go make disciples. Fans just want the benefits, followers want to be obedient. Fans follow the crowd, followers follow Jesus, even if no one else does. There's a story in Mark chapter 5. But this crazy demon-possessed guy that lived in an area called the Gerasenes. I went there when I was, went to the Holy Land. It's a minefield now. It's behind a fence. Uh, it's actually an active minefield. One doofus that was in our group picked up a big rock and threw it over into the minefield. <laughs> Stupid. But anyway, I, you know, try, trying to set a mine off. That would have been real fun, wouldn't it? But anyway... So Jesus went and healed this guy, cast all the demons out of him, cast all the demons into a herd of pigs. The pigs ran down the mountain and ran into a lake, and they all drowned. Got to eat something. I think there's a lot of people that live like those pigs. That may not have been the application that Jesus was making with that, but I'm telling you, that's what I see. There's a lot of people that live like those pigs. They're surrounded. They stay herded up. They stay in the herd of the world. They hang out in the herd of the world. They move together with the herd of the world. They stay in step with the herd of the world, doing whatever the world says is okay, whatever the world says is okay to do. They keep doing that all the while headed to their death with the rest of the world. Let me tell you something. I ain't talking about all them bad people out there. I'm talking about folks who are in church. They say they believe in Jesus. Talking about people in church that may even, they, they even act like they're worshiping Jesus, they may even come to church, and they believe that Jesus was a real guy and all that kind of stuff, but they quickly turn away when the call comes to truly worship and obey Jesus. Peter and his uh, P- Peter and the other disciples. Followed Jesus when everybody else was walking away. Peter said, Lord, we're here. We're here. We're going to follow you. Even if everybody else leaves, Lord, we will follow you. We're not turning our back on you. And they didn't. Judas did, we know that. But they didn't turn their back on him. And finally, fans complain and grumble if things aren't going their way. Followers don't care if things aren't going their way. <laughs> you know, football, college football, man, team's not, fire the coach, man, team's not doing good. Man, we won, we were so good, so fire the coach. Man, we got a sorry quarterback. Man, our defense stinks, man. I mean, we don't have a big enough budget. We, blah, blah, you know, whatever, all this kind of stuff, man. Just, you yeah, know, we, we all do that. We do it in church, man. We, we do it in church, man. I don't like the music, man. They're changing everything. They're doing all this kind of stuff. I don't like the version of the Bible they use. I don't like this. I don't like that. The sermons are too long. They're not doing enough for the kids. They're not doing enough for the youth. There's too much fellowship time. There's not enough Bible study. We don't like the color of the carpet. We don't like this new stuff that, that, uh, that Shane and, and, and Danny did a really cool job with our backdrop now. But but you know, there may be somebody that would show up and go, man, I don't like that. Why'd they do that? You know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just, we do that. That kind of stuff, and that's what fans do. Fans complain when things aren't going their way. Just like these people said to me, well, "What's he talking about? Eating his flesh, drinking his blood? Crazy stuff, man. He's talking about we got to change our ways. We got to be willing to change. You out of your mind? Followers don't care if things aren't going their way." And Jesus made it clear to his followers that they didn't have any excuse They said, Jesus, you didn't tell us this. (laughs) You you, You didn't give us a heads up on this. Yes, he did. Go to Matthew chapter 10 and Jesus said, let me tell you something, guys. You're going to follow me? Then people are going to hate you. They're going to despise you. They're going to reject you. They're going to arrest you. They're going to beat you. And they will kill you. So come follow me. And those guys did. Fans say, hey, if things aren't going my way, I'm checking out. If I don't get the benefits, I'm checking out. If I don't like the way things go, I'm checking out. Followers say, I'm staying with them all the way. Because followers believe and followers know that Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God. So the question for you is, are you a fan or are you a follower? mentioned at 8 o'clock, I had to ask myself that question before I ever preached this sermon. Maybe that's why I got sick last week, that that I wasn't ready to preach this sermon last week. Thank Mark Sandiford for for preaching for me last Sunday. He did an incredible job. Maybe the Lord knew I wasn't ready to preach a sermon that says, are you a fan or a follower? Can a preacher just be a fan and not be a follower? I don't want to be that preacher. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that disciple, whether I'm a preacher or not. you a fan or are you a follower? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Help us to be followers. How do you need to respond during this invitation? The band needs to come on up if y'all need to come and get in place we're about to do the invitation. Are you a fan or a follower? Maybe you've never started following at all. Maybe you've never taken the first step. Today's your day of salvation. Others of us are kind of in that spectator mode right now calling us to be followers. Believe and know that he's the Holy One. of Let's pray. Father, would you help us now during these moments of invitation to do what you're calling us to do. Be obedient to you today, Lord. God, I pray that in this room there'll be some folks, I believe there are some folks, God, I I know there's some folks in this room, Lord, that are followers. Lord, I pray there'll be more. More followers. Fewer fans, more followers. Help us to believe and know and to give our lives completely to you in Jesus' name.